Hi friends, I'm Molly, your host for today, and thanks for joining our Relief from Darkness podcast where we're having conversations with people who've walked out of various hard places in their lives and into freedom. Today we'll be hearing from Whitney and her walk out of suicidal ideation. Whitney is a mom and co-worker with Christ who works with marginalized populations in our city. She's a heart for the hurting and uses her giftings to help those experiencing homelessness in Oklahoma City find housing and appropriate mental health care. Hi friends, I'm Molly and we're here today with our Relief from Darkness crew where we're continuing our conversation with how we can truly be free from many aspects of mental illnesses and distorted thought processes. We're talking about anything really ranging from depression, anxiety, complex trauma, nightmares, and really everything in between. Because we know if we can change our brains, then you can change your life. So for this session, we're going to be hearing from Whitney and her struggles with suicidal ideations. And then joining us today, we have our very own brain geek, Dr. Lori Basie. Hey, guys. And then we have our good friend, Charlotte. Hey, hey. And she will be here to help facilitate some questions. So with that, Charlotte, can you tell us what suicidal ideation is? Yes, so suicidal ideation is a broad term used to describe a person's contemplation, wishes, or preoccupations with death and suicide. It can develop into a plan for suicide, which could lead to an attempt. The magnitude and characteristics of suicide ideation can fluctuate dramatically in its intensity or duration. So the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, if you or someone you know needs help, is 1-800-273-8255. So with that in mind, Whitney, can you share your story of walking out suicide ideation? Um, sure. So I guess the first time I thought about hurting myself, I was 12 years old, and uh, I took a big disposable razor and tried to nick myself to death. It obviously didn't work, but I always had in my mind that this was a way out. And so I had things that took place. I went to college. About age 30, though, I was depressed again. And that time I took a bunch of pills and I ended up at um, a local psych unit in Oklahoma City. And that's when I realized that, one, when you get out of a situation like that, a lot of times people treat you like you're some sort of pariah. They either want to follow you into the bathroom to make sure that you don't hurt yourself or they want nothing to do with you. And neither of those options is really very uh, healing for the person that's suffering from depression. So I knew that I would never again attempt suicide. I knew that. If I were to ever have those thoughts, it would not be an attempt. It would be an actual, I, I would make it happen. So just fast forward, I had a really bad year several years ago, about six years ago. Maybe it was seven. That's not important. Anyway, um, and the year started out, I mean, we were in debt. My husband and I were fighting. I I lost a whole bunch of people that I cared about. And it, it got to a point where the only thing I felt that I had were these two friends. And I remember sitting at my desk when, uh, one Monday morning after I'd been out um, with one of the friends. And I got a text from her that said, uh, I really don't want to be your friend anymore. And it was devastating because in my mind at that point, it's like I would wake up, go to work at a job that hated me and come home every night to a husband who hated me 
to pay debt on just a mountain of debt that we that we had no hope of getting out of. And now my best friend hated me. So I was like, I've got nothing. So I went immediately back to my, this world would be better without me. And uh, I just kept praying, well, Jesus, um, I know I can't get into the gun cabinet that my husband has because he had the password. And I wasn't about to ask him for help because we weren't even speaking at that time. And uh, they sent me back to the, the back room to look for something for my boss. And it was one of those aha moments. I pull open this desk drawer and there's a loaded 38 in the back of the drawer. And it was just like one of those, oh, you know, the, the aura around the, the thing and everything. I'm like, this is it. This is my answer. Thank you, Jesus. You, you've given me my answer. Mm. That was my thought process. So um, I, I left that day and I was like, well, I can't do it here. Do it now. I have to come up with a really good plan. So I had a plan. Uh, I went home. Um, I spent that entire weekend. I got everything in order. I wrote the notes. I did everything necessary. Like I even typed out every password to every website that we paid bills on. And um, I had it all ready. And I knew that Monday morning or Monday evening after Boy Scouts, I would take the gun. I would go over to this hospital that was being built and that was it. A nice uh, shot to to my heart. That way, if my family wanted to do like an open casket, they'd have that option. Enough detail on that. So anyway, what happened? And the only reason that anything changed or my mind cha- my mind changed is on Sunday evening. I laid down and I was taking a nap, or I was trying to take a nap. Because I was just exhausted. I was mentally, physically, emotionally exhausted. Yeah. I was done. And I got this text from a friend and she's like, hey, let's go get coffee. And I'm like, no, I don't want to get coffee. And she said, too late. I'm in your driveway. We're going to go get coffee. That was Jesus. Because how many times when you like text a friend, hey, you want to go do something? They say, no, you're like, you pass, you move to the next person. She said the Holy Spirit told her, take her to coffee. She didn't even drink coffee, but she had a mm-hmm. Starbucks gift card. So it was totally Jesus. So we go to Starbucks and she and I talk and all I needed was that connection, that feeling that maybe there was hope. So I went home that, that evening and I was like, this kind of stinks because now my plan was Monday night. This is Sunday. If I do this Monday night, she might feel guilty. She might feel bad. I don't want to put her in that position. I'm going to delay it two nights. So two nights later, I get another call same person and (laughs) same person. And she's like, Hey, I know you love cheesy musicals. And I'm like, well, yeah, who does not She goes, there's one playing at the the Baptist church. You want to go? I'm like, of course I do because I love cheesy musicals. So I get there and we're watching this cheesy musical and I see one of the friends, you know, I said I had two friends and one of them didn't want anything to do with me. Well, of course the other one didn't either. And they had been talking, and I'm like standing there humiliated, not even knowing what I fully did. And um, and when I went back in after intermission, I was like, you know what? If I go through with this, they win. I don't know what they were going to win, but they were going to win, and I can't lose. So I'm like, no, I can't. I'm. I just don't know. So the next day, the next night, I'm totally confused. I had a plan. 
I had a way. I had a method. I had everything I needed, and, and it was from Jesus as far as I could tell. I mean, he even provided the, the, the way it was going to happen. This loaded thirty-eight. I had everything I needed. And then all of a sudden, for the first time in my life, I'm thinking, maybe, maybe this isn't it. So, of course, I, I did what most people to do. Uh, I went to the holiest police, you know, the Walmart parking lot. And I sat there and I just started bawling. And I was like, Jesus, um, I don't know what to do. And this particular, it was December and you'd think it would be completely crowded, but it wasn't because it was that cold, rainy stuff that we get in Oklahoma. And I'm there and I'm like, you know, God, I I don't want to live. And God, I I don't want to die. I don't know what to do. And that's when all of a sudden I felt my toes get warm. And my first thought was, okay, frostbite. I wouldn't have gone with that Jesus, but you know, you're in control now. So whatever you want to do, frostbite is fine. And, and I also, my eyes are closed and I see this light in front of me and I'm thinking some, some tool has pulled up in an F-150 pickup truck and shining this brights into my, my car. And I'm like, really? You got a whole parking lot. You're shining your brights (laughs) into my face. So I lift up my face I lift up my head. I open my eyes and I realize that light that I thought was the pickup truck wasn't a pickup truck. It was, it wasn't outside the car. It was inside the car with me. And the warmth that I felt in my toes, it wasn't just in my toes. It was all over me. It was every part of my body was the exact right temperature at the exact same time. That never happened. Never. And, and it was like, I looked down and the, the skin on my arm was like this golden glowy. And it, it was the most... Mm-hmm intense, most real moment of my entire life. It's like if you could feel love tangibly with your fingertips, you could feel it that moment in the car. And if you could, if you could hear peace or smell joy, I mean, it was all there. Mm. I was completely surrounded by this light. And I'm like, this is Jesus. This is God. I mean, and and like I've said before, he gave me a taste of what heaven is going to look like. And he said, this is for you. Yeah. And anyway, so he loved me enough in that moment to come down and save me from myself. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. Yeah. So. That is beautiful. Thanks. That is everything. Mm -hmm. Actually, we could just get like our senses aligned to heaven. Like how cool that he would reveal that. Um, so just to dissect a little bit, if we can just back up just a little bit. Dr. Lori, can you give us a brain dump on what is happening with suicidal ideation when Whitney was in the world of it and going through it? Absolutely. And I think even before we do that, let's just back up and just get a little bigger picture that while we're sitting here doing this podcast, there will be 30 people globally, statistically speaking, that will take their life. And that's every 40 seconds someone does that. And the United States happens to be number 33 in suicide. And each year it's estimated that 37,500 people literally do take their life. And so in the midst of all of this, and I think about even living here, that 
we have an abundance and that we're blessed to be a blessing. And so how in the world does this happen? How do we get so desperate and in such despair that that would be what seems like the only end game out? And so we're riddled with really hard things that happen. And so I love what Whitney described when she talked about her friend who happened to be sitting in her driveway and she was there. And so we have to be connected. And so people will say, well, how do I know? It's like that frog in the pot when you continuously turn up the water and pretty soon that frog's going to boil and it, now it's too late for the frog to jump out of the pot. And so in the midst of that, the Bible talks about things that we need to be thinking about, things that are pure and praiseworthy and lovely and noble and just. And if we're not thinking about those things and under pressure, because there really is worldly pressure, horrible things happen that really knock us to the core. If it's not the fruit of the spirit that comes out, then we need to really get help. We need to connect with others. And then it's really important how we order our brain. So for example, with the psychoeducation of this, if I wake up today and say, this day is going to be terrible, that nothing good is going to happen. And if I'm going to look hard enough, what my brain actually orders, Whitney was looking for a gun and then lo and behold, she found a gun. Now, is that Jesus or is that the enemy? And what we look for and what we've already set our minds to is so, so important versus I know that I have a renewed mind if I wake up and say, this is going to be the best day of my life. And even if things happen, then Jesus has me. And so then we start to structure and set our routine around that because with suicidal ideation and as she said, the first two things that she did landed her in positions that she didn't like. And she was going to make sure that the last time it was really effective, that even if we're crying out for help or if we're really serious, we have got to get help and we can't act on these things. And the consequences of this is really, really difficult for everyone who's left uh, in the midst of the wake of this and our emotions do change. Things can get better and there is help. And so with the brain, it's really important that those seemingly unimportant decisions like her going to get coffee or her going to the cheesy musical or her reaching out to people or her crying out to God, those seemingly unimportant decisions actually saved her life. Whereas seemingly unimportant decisions on the other end of that thinking about the gun, finding the gun, getting the gun could have taken her life. Yeah. Thank you for that insight. So Whitney, just can you shed some light on how this affected your relationships? Like before you're struggling in friendships and marriage. And I just want to know, like since Jesus, like how has that transformed relationships with you? Um, well, when he met me in my car, he told me, I heard him say, you're going to get to quit that job that you hate. And I was like, yes. You know, and I was ready to text my two weeks notice two weeks late. You know, I was, I was there and he's like, ah, slow down, slow down. You're going to quit that job when you and your husband decide you're going to quit that job. So I knew right away when I was going to stay married because I'd already made plans to leave my husband. I'd set up this online banking account unbeknownst to him so I could leave him because things were so bad. So in that moment, I knew everything had changed because one, I was going to get to quit the job I hated and I was going to be staying with the man that I'd married. Yeah. So he gave me answers that I, I mean, mm -hmm. it was amazing. And when I went home that night, my daughter was like, 
what's different with you, mom? I'm like, oh, I don't know, this little thing called hope that <laughs> I never really experienced before. I mean, I gave him everything, mm -hmm. all of my, you know, all of my dreams, my aspirations, everything I ever wanted. And then he gave them all back to me like magnified. And it was amazing. And about two months after that, our financial situation totally flipped. I mean, we went from being, I mean, it was horrible the amount of debt we were in to being pretty much all we had was a mortgage. Had to be God. There's yeah. no other explanation. And five months after it, uh, we went on a family vacation for the very first time ever. And we went to Colorado. And it was also, we left for vacation on my last day of work. Wow. So I quit that job that I hated and we went on a family vacation. It was, I mean, when I trusted him with everything, he gave it all back magnified. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't been just like a bed of roses since then. We've had to work on it. And I've had to work on my relationship with my husband. And I've had to work on my relationship with my children. And sometimes it's rocky. And he also gave me, he put me in a community where I developed real friendships, not based on drinking. Yeah. Which mm -hmm. that was, you know, that was a game changer right there in itself. But he gave me back everything that I could have ever wanted. Yeah. So. So what are the, I mean, is there anything that you do or any verses that you go to to help kind of maintain? Like when the thoughts come back or when the suicidal ideation starts to like, you start to feel that kind of encroaching again in your life. Is there anything that you do? in your routine that that combats that? Um, well, I like uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5, the one, you know, um, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up mm -hmm. against God, and uh, we take captive every thought. And so I try and take my thoughts captive. Um, I started journaling again, and I... Uh, music really speaks to me. So if I get really, really down, then I'll just go to my prayer closet and I'll turn on some praise and worship. And that usually, that usually yeah. helps. So. Awesome. So Lori, do you have any other practical strategies for maintaining this? I think it's beautiful that she started really in the Walmart parking lot with surrender, mm -hmm. that she's yeah. desperate. And then she said she felt that warmth in her toes. And once she realized it wasn't frostbite or that bright white light that wasn't somebody <laughs> <laughs> shining their lights in. And so the way that we encounter Jesus is through our brain. Everything that comes into our consciousness comes through our brain. And so when we say, I saw, I heard, I experienced, it all has to come through that little three pound mass of soft like <laughs> butter between our ears. And so he speaks to us on our level. And, and so there's a difference between having a cognitive understanding of him, the, the difference between knowing the scriptures and knowing him. The devil knows the scriptures better than I do. And so when Whitney talked about then every part of her being, her skin was glowing, her feet were warm, all of those things, were happening and she was physiologically experiencing Jesus with what she saw and how she felt and what was going on inside of her. That's actually what we as the the body of Christ would call our heart. But if you think about your heart, your heart's an organ that pumps blood. So it's not your heart that experienced Jesus. It's actually the middle part of your brain, the limbic system in your brain. And that part of your brain is your sensations and your 
your sensory motor experiences. And so to activate that part of your brain, really good activities include reading scriptures and then closing your eyes and imagining that scripture and imagining yourself in that scripture. And what does it feel like? And what does it look like? Because we need in our society with the hard things that happen, we need so much more than just a head knowledge about some religion, but it's actually the son of man who was the son of God and is the son of God who met Whitney in that vehicle in the Walmart parking lot. And that if she focuses on that instead of the hard day or the things that are happening with her husband or the struggles, because there are still real struggles. But if she orders her brain to find that and she goes back to that place and she builds upon that as opposed to the hard things, then she's a totally different person. So what we need is Jesus open the eyes of our limbic system. That's exactly right. <laughs> Would you like to sing that with me? Um, <clears throat> I think we'd be kicked off the podcast. All right, <laughs> Charlotte, is there anything you have? So I just want to say, I mean, we just breezed through a pretty intense story of pain. I mean, you had from the time you were young, a real hard, hard time wanting to live. And so I'm just in awe and overwhelmed by God meeting you because of of your true intense heart posture to really turn to him. I mean, you did shift your focus to him in the car at Walmart. And I'm also overwhelmed by the love of your friend that continued to pursue you, that followed the Holy Spirit. And so it's just another reminder for me, for us as a community of believers to really stop, to slow down and to really see the people that are right in front of us, because that changed your life. That saved you to a place of then, you know, at least extending your life for a few days and how sweet of your heart even to be thinking about her, you know, and her life and what it would, how it would affect her. So you were just processing and processing from love, even though you hated your life at the time. And so when you saw Jesus and you turned your focus to him, he, he truly saved you. And that presence is so real and so palpable in, in this story and in your testimony. And um, so I just want to encourage all of us as the body to stop and pay attention to the person right in front of us. And I also yeah. just truly want to worship the God of the universe for, for how much he revealed himself to you and how much he reveals himself to all of us when we turn to him, that he doesn't withhold. Yeah. And if, if he would do it for me, he'll do it for anyone because there's nothing special, you know, and, and I think he also brought me to a place of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's also crucial. I had to forgive so much stuff and I had to forgive myself. And until yeah. you can do that, you can never reach a point where you're, I mean, where you're really free and ready to live. Exactly. And you were obedient. So you went straight home and you were you were following through with stay, sticking with your marriage. You went on the family vacation. You, you knew that you had a certain amount of time left in the job, but you were walking out specifically what he said. Lori had just taught us today in a different class. You know, it starts with the fear of the Lord and obedience and his presence and a revelation of himself to you. You had more fear of him than you did of living, you know, in a lo in a loving way, in a powerful way of a true reverence of the God of the universe coming in and consuming you into life. And that's just beautiful. And then you really were obedient in it, too. And that's just how he works. And I'm always in awe. Yeah, because my life did a whole 180 that yeah. day. 
and I thought I was totally good. But even since that time, since because that was December of 2014, and I can look back and I'm like, wow, I've grown so much since then. So yeah. what's what's ahead? Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was what six years ago. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Am I doing my math correctly? But I mean. So I don't know what's in store, but Mm -hmm. I kind of want to find out at this point because it's got to be better than what was before. Yeah, you're all in. Exactly. So if you had just like one takeaway, if someone was listening right now who's been struggling with suicidal thoughts, what would you say to them? Um, I'd say go to Jesus and give him everything because I had always held just a portions of myself back, give him everything and be open to forgiveness. Cause until you can forgive the people that have hurt you, you're, you're going to have trouble forgiving yourself and realizing that you're worthy of love. So forgive and give it all to Jesus. Dr. Lori. I love this saying what you behold, you become. And so literally what we look at shapes our brain. And so if we look at our problems, if we look at our depravity and our despair and our discouragement, then that's going to shape our brain and that's what our brain is going to order and that's what we're going to see. Every environment that we go into, we're going to train our brain to see that. But if we actually get our eyes off of ourselves and we behold him, then we'll become like him. And he is pure and he's lovely and he's full of joy and peace. And so in the midst of all of life's heartache and in hardship as we connect not only do we need to connect with other healthy people but we need to connect with him and that moment when i think about your testimony if i could just sum it up it's you encountered jesus and everything changed exactly like you're going down this path and it's messy you encounter jesus you do a 180 and you're completely different and is that really it and if we if we can embrace that truth that we just need an experiential knowledge of the living Christ who wants to reveal himself to us in our senses so that we can we can know him more and and literally physically feel his love and forgiveness and acceptance and if we can just grab hold of that i mean that's enough to change our brains and if that can change our brains it's going to change your life it'll change everything so Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Whitney, for being here. Thank Shar and Dr. Lori. And until next time, we'll see you then. Bye. Cool. Thank you guys so much for listening to our Relief from Darkness podcast. If you would like more information or are looking for more resources to help overcome the topics we've discussed here, please visit the No Boundaries International website at www.nbint.org, where we have a free e-course titled Journey of Restoration. And be sure to please leave us any comments or reviews as this will help get our content out to more listeners. We're praying for you guys and we will see you next time.